On behalf of the Mayflower Church family and staff, I welcome each of you, wherever you might be this morning, whether you are a couple in Florida gathered around a laptop and streaming for the first time, a family who has figured out how to stream on your living room TV, whether you are joining us from the West Coast before the sun rises or on the East Coast and awakening with concern for loved ones and friends, we welcome you, each of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, and although we are physically apart, as Scripture teaches, in and through the Spirit, we are indeed this morning one. We also welcome you to Palm Sunday at Mayflower. Now, typically on Palm Sunday, each of you would have received a a palm like this as you entered our church and then heard the children's choir sing Hosanna as as they processed down the aisle. Well, things are different this year, but on our Facebook page, you can find a PDF of an image on which you can print out and color uh, like this this morning. We've already received pictures of some of you waving your palms and keep them coming. Today, you will also find on our Facebook and Instagram pages a recording of a song the, the children usually sing as they walk down the center aisle. Thank you to Abby Brooks, our children's choir director, and Malia Caldwell, our accompanist, for bringing this familiar song to us this morning. I bring news this morning also the deaths of two longtime Mayflower members, although not due to COVID-19. Tolly Stifler died last Sunday. Ollie Grin died on Friday evening, surrounded by his wife, Carolyn, and children, Martin, Hulda, and Oliver. Linda Maney died Friday night. Linda is a friend of many Mayflower members and mother-in-law of Carrie Skewer Maney. Please keep the Stifler, Grin, Maney, and Skewer families uh, in your prayers. If you received our Friday church email or can open our church homepage, I invite you to follow along with our order of service and to sing when you can. Read along with the scripture passages as you can and when we pray with one voice to join together with mine as we come before God in prayer. So now let us prepare our heart, our soul, our mind to come before that which is holy in our world, that which sustains us by grace the one who surrounds us with steadfast love as we walk together the valleys and hills of life, experiencing both sorrow and joy. Humble and riding on a donkey, we greet you, O Lord, acclaimed by crowds and caroled By children, we cheer you. Moving from the peace of the countryside to the corridors of power, we salute you, Christ our Lord, for you are giving the beast a burden, a colt, a new dignity. You are giving majesty a new face. 
You are giving those who long for redemption and a second chance, a new song to sing. With them and with our own heart and voice, we shout, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. invite you to join your hearts together with mine in our opening prayer. O Lord, who on this day entered the rebellious city that later would reject you, we confess that our own wills are often as rebellious as Jerusalem 
that our faith is at times more show than substance. And our hearts are always in need of renewal. So we pray, look upon us this day with grace and with mercy, O Son of David, King of Jerusalem, and Savior of our lives. Help us to lay at your feet all that we have and all that we are, so we might begin to discover and to mend what is broken inside of us this day, and to be reminded of your purpose for our lives. Amen. Scripture reminds us that the word of the Lord is there to teach us and to train us in righteousness. Hear now our gospel reading this morning from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40 and 45 to 48. Jesus went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as Jesus had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought the colt to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it, and put Jesus on the colt. As they went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When they came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They said, Blessed is the King who comes 
in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, however, said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day Jesus was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, And the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. you to join your hearts together with mine in prayer and let us pray. Indeed, O God, on this Sabbath morning, once again we turn our heart, our soul, our mind to you. In particular, we turn our attention to your word, seeking that it might renew our heart 
that it might give us a sense of our purpose, that it might teach and train us in righteousness. For this we do pray in your Son's name. Amen. Last Sunday, if you were able to join us, I referenced a meme, a doctored photo of a a dog through the magic of Photoshop that had climbed to the top of the kitchen cabinet. The caption read, no, I'm not coming down. We've already been on 20 walks today. This past week, I came across another dog reference that That made me smile. Someone wrote on Twitter, imagine being a puppy who was born in February. And all you've ever known is your human always stays home with you. And takes you on like six walks a day. To you, this is totally normal human behavior, and you don't know what all the old dogs are talking about. During the season of Lent, we have been following the ancient Christian practice of walking alongside Jesus on his his journey to Jerusalem and stopping at particular moments on that journey to reflect on what they might teach us. So far, we've reflected on the station of mortality, the reality of eternal rest, the blind beggar, and and opening our eyes to life rather than, than shutting them off, of Zacchaeus and coming down from our tree of curiosity and encountering Jesus face to face. Two Sundays ago, we paused at the station of trust, And heard Jesus teach, whoever is faithful in in little will be faithful in much. Last Sunday, we considered the station of a cult, which reminds us when we are humble. And don't indulge that pernicious illusion that we are on top of the world, on top of nature. It is then in that place, scripture teaches, that God can begin to lift us up. For it is there within the attitude of humility, we will find not only a simple animal, a colt, but it is also there that we will find Jesus. This morning, we stop at our our, our sixth station, the station of assignment, and I'd like to reflect on the word teleological. Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem and the choice of a New York surgeon, and how those three intersect. When I was in seminary, certain professors suggested that that we pause to view life through what they called a teleological lens. Have you ever considered what lens through which you might view the world? We might view the world through the lens of possibility, perceiving in in every conversation, in in every proposal, in every new idea, a chance to embark on an exciting 
project, a new business, an adventure. Along with the lens of possibility, some view the world through the the biblical lens of faith and hope and love and seek to extend into every relationship and every interaction and, and every need God's compassion and enfolding embrace. Along with the lens of possibility and the, a biblical lens, some view the world through the, the, the lens of grievance and setbacks and regrets. They mull them over again and again. Slights and setbacks and mistakes they made. Have you ever considered the lens through which you might view the world? Because the lens in which you view the world in many ways determines the next choice that you will make in your life. When I was in seminary, professors suggested we view life through what they call this teleological lens. And what does that mean? Well, it comes from a Greek word, telos, which means end or or purpose. And the word logos, which means word or, or teaching or plan. The idea behind that word is to perceive how life is, is grounded and is directed by end goals and purposes. This idea was put forth by Plato and Aristotle and Kant. Aristotle, for example, pointed to the acorn and said it's, it's, it's telos. Its end or purpose was to grow into an oak tree. To view life through a teleological lens, in other words, is to see the world and and nature and human beings and even ourselves as created by God for a purpose. Now, this is a thought that has been embraced by many. It's not enough to have lived. We should be determined to live for Something. Those words are attributed to Winston Churchill. True happiness is not attained through self-gratification, but through fidelity to a worthy purpose. That's Helen Keller. I wonder this morning, do you view life through a teleological lens? Do you believe the universe, the world, nature, human beings, you are created by the Creator, for a purpose. And perhaps most significantly, do you have a sense this morning of what that purpose might be? Over the past few weeks, we have been reading through the 19th chapter of Luke's Gospel as Jesus completes now the final steps of his journey to Jerusalem. It is in the 19th chapter we encountered Zacchaeus, and Jesus taught about being faithful and little, Jesus climbed on a colt to ride down the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. And at this entrance, what we have been anticipating these past few weeks in Lent occurs, and it is a celebration. As we read, when Jesus came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd began joyfully to praise God, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. I wonder, have you ever had a moment 
of applause or achievement that made your heart race. It made you blush. It brought a tear to your eye. But now, looking back, it really only lasted for the briefest of moments before everything quickly went sideways or or even backwards. You were voted captain in high school, but then the coach took another job just a few weeks later. You were promoted to a position that you've always wanted your entire life, but after you dove into the numbers, after you met with the new team, you were stunned with the issues and problems that had been previously hidden from view. You discovered it, in other words, as I've noticed time and again in people's lives, there is, yes, this this shimmer of the award, but it is typically fleeting. It is ephemeral. And what often immediately follows is what I've come to call the assignment. And we can discern that, the award and the assignment here in the 19th chapter of Luke's Gospel. Because right after waving palms and shouting hosannas, we read how in Luke, some of the disciples, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And the party, we might say, was really over before it started. That Jesus walks through that gate into Jerusalem and goes to the church, to the temple, and in front of the holiest of all places, he notices hucksters profiting off God. And in a rage, he drives them away and says, my house is a house of prayer. Now, this can't be what Jesus and the disciples hoped would happen. I suspect they imagine fanfare would, would follow Jesus with every step into Jerusalem, at least at least for a day or two. But then Luke adds in our passage how it even got worse. The chief priests and teachers of the law were soon trying to kill him. In other words, there is the award. That joyous moment when the medal is hung around our neck. We sign the big contract. We close the deal. We enter Jerusalem and everyone claps, but more often than not, once we cross that gate, the real work begins the assignment. I wonder if you ever found that to be true in your own life. This past week, like most of us, I have been horrified, saddened, and overwhelmed by the spread of COVID-19 around our world. Some of us already know someone affected, even someone who has already died. A tragic reality that will undoubtedly affect all of us in the coming days. And if you didn't have a chance to download our, our bulletin off the home page or receive our Friday email, what you have, would have seen at the bottom is our worship image for the day. And it's a photo of a woman in in a thin hospital gown, a a surgical mask, what appears to almost be carpenter goggles, a hairnet, and a bright surgeon's light on her forehead. 
At first glance, you're, you're not quite even sure what you're looking at exactly in this photo, but then you notice the fierce determination behind the woman's eyes. Her tweet accompanying this image reads, My babies are too young to read this now, and they'd barely recognize me in my gear. But if they lose me to COVID, I want them to know mommy tried really hard to do her job. The woman's name is Cornelia Gregg. She's a pediatric surgery fellow in New York and this week published her observations about what is happening regarding COVID-19. Dr. Griggs wrote, the sky is falling. I'm not afraid to say it. A few weeks from now, you may call me an alarmist and I can live with that. Actually, I would keel over with happiness if I'm proven wrong, but alarmist is not a word anyone has ever used to describe me, she writes. I'm a board-certified surgeon and critical care specialist who spent my training attending to trauma in emergency room and intensive care units. Part of my job entails waking in the middle of the night to rush to a children's hospital to put babies in a form of life support called ECMO, a service required when a child's lungs are failing even with maximum ventilator support. These are scenarios that mimic end-stage COVID-19 patients, and they are part of my job. And panic is not in my vocabulary. The emotion has been drilled out in me. But this, what I'm experiencing, is different. We are living in a global public health crisis, moving at a speed and scale never witnessed by living generations, she writes. No matter how this plays out, life will forever look different. And I say this, she writes, not to panic anyone, but to mobilize you. Please flatten the curb and stay at home, she writes. But do not go into couch mode, cowering in the dark places of our minds doesn't help. Rather than private panic, we need public-spirited action. Those of us walking into the rooms of COVID-19 positive patients every day need you and your minds and your networks, your creative solutions and your voices fighting for us. We might be the exhausted, masked face trying to resuscitate you when you show up on the doorstep of our hospital. And when you do, she writes, I promise not to panic. I'll use every ounce of my expertise to keep you alive. Please do the same for all of us. To view life through a teleological lens is to perceive that the world and nature human beings and our very selves as created by the creator for a distinct purpose. Like that puppy born in February 
walking joyfully six times a day beside an eight-year-old boy or a 75-year-old woman. A dog has a purpose. Dr. Griggs has a purpose. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. And that purpose is our assignment. That's why in many ways Palm Sunday is the station of assignment as that word originates from an old French word that means an an order, a request, a directive. Dr. Greggs no doubt feels that way every time she puts on that gown and that surgical lamp. That's what Jesus felt and what happened to him as he walked through that Jerusalem gate, his holy assignment. And I'm not sure what that purpose and and what this holy assignment is for you exactly, but I believe it is, as Dr. Griggs points out, to be mobilized. However, and in whatever way, each of us can now help someone in need. Mayflower has set up a, a help button on our homepage if you know of someone who needs help, or you can help someone. Your pastors are starting to make those connections. So may we all, I pray, in this unsettling and anxious time, pause this morning at the station of assignment, remembering how each of us matters because we matter to each other and to God. Remembering the lens through which we choose to view life matters. And above all, recognizing the spiritual truth. Yet, at times we will experience the award. But what matters to God is our assignment. In the name of the Creator, the Sustainer, and the Redeemer. Amen. Bookending today's sermon is a fairly new hymn written by Mary Keith Ann. She's an ordained pastor in the United Church of Christ living in Rapid City, South Dakota. And her um, music collaborator is John Horman, organist and music director at the UCC Church in Washington, D.C., This song bridges the excitement of Palm Sunday to the somber events of the week to come. It conveys a narrative that pulls us into the drama of Christ's life. In the first two verses that Scott sang before the sermon, we hear about Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And in the second verse, his cleansing of the temple and the money changes. Now you'll hear verses 3 and 4, which take us to the Last Supper and Christ's betrayal in verse 3, and the crucifixion in verse 4, a foreshadowing of what will be coming during this Holy Week. And we invite all of you on Thursday and on Friday at 7 p.m. 
to stream our Monday Thursday service and our Good Friday service. Every month, Mayflower leans upon the generosity of members and friends to fund our budget. Every month, with about $100,000 of support. It means roughly every Sunday, members and friends give about $25,000 of plate offerings and check and credit card and give online. All of this results in a yearly budget of a little over a million dollars. And these, of course, are extraordinary, challenging times for all businesses and institutions. No, your, your moderator, your vice moderator and treasurer, as well as committees, are working to adopt a streamlined budget to sustain our mission and our ministries to weather this storm as a good ship Mayflower. No, you can give online on our homepage, on our website, where you'll find that donate button. We also have a special mailbox under the portico where you can drop off an envelope to worship to be reminded indeed from whom all blessings do flow. As we said last Sunday, while our ushers might not physically wait upon us for the morning offering, your church does ask for your support so we might continue to serve our membership, our friends, our community, and our world. Join your hearts with mine together in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you, 
on this Sabbath morning, that indeed you are the light of the world that breaks upon us in the dawn. That you guide our steps on your path, that your word says indeed that the earth is yours and everything in it, the world and all people belong to you. We recognize everything we have and have been given, have earned, belongs to you. We acknowledge our very lives belong to you. We now offer back to you what scripture calls our first fruits, our tithes, our offerings. That portion of what you have given us to make a difference in our world. Bless it, guide it, so we might serve you in our world today. Amen. Our prayers of the people are adapted from those written by Cornelius Plantinga, a theologian in Grand Rapids, Danny Mayer, a restaurant owner in New York City, and a priest in Columbia. I invite you to join your hearts together with mine as we are one in the Spirit. And let us pray. We are, O Lord, it feels like in a blizzard with no snow, a hurricane with no wind, a tsunami with no water, a forest fire with no flame. We are disoriented, and life in no way this morning resembles what we had all known and were accustomed to only a few weeks ago. And yet, O Lord, here we are, the sudden, virulent storm appearing in our world, a storm brought by that which is so small it can't even be seen under most microscopes, and yet it has shuttered our schools, playgrounds, flights, projects at work. It's draining our income and emptied our sanctuaries and made us over the past few weeks even wary of each other and ever so anxious about the future. So we pray this morning, remind us, O Lord, that although we have no idea what tomorrow, what the next day, 
what this week and what the future might bring. We do know you will be within that future, holding us fast, comforting us, and guiding us forward in faith, love, and hope. Hear all of our prayers as we bring before you our trepidation, our anxiety, and our longing indeed for a better day. Hear our silent prayers. Bring before you, O Lord, prayers for people this day who are sick. And all those who are grieving, in particular in our own church family, the Stifler, Grin, Maney, and Skewer families. We remember and we pray for all those who are sick and grieving near to us in Michigan and far away from Italy to Colombia, Japan, to Australia. And bring, we pray this morning, wisdom to doctors, understanding to scientists, endow caregivers in hospitals, nursing homes, and within families, patients, compassion and generosity, protect those who are most at risk, we pray, those who do not have a home, those who do not have the means to purchase food and stock, a pantry, all those who are alone this day, show us all how to mobilize, to discern our holy assignment. And by so doing, stabilize our community and our world, becoming your voice, your hands, your presence in our world. Hear our silent prayers for ourselves and for others.
Now I invite you to join your voice together with mine in a prayer that unites us with each other and with our Creator and the King who enters Jerusalem this day and the Spirit which makes us one. And let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. unsettling and anxious time pause today at the station of assignment remembering how each of us matters because we matter to each other and we matter to God remembering the lens through which we view life our life 
matters. And above all, recognizing the spiritual truth, yet at times we will experience the award. But what matters to God is our assignment. And now as you go out into this day, know that the steadfast love of God surrounds you. The peace of Christ attends to you. And the Spirit will guide you this day and forevermore. Amen.